I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'll tell you what, if I'm the Penguins, I'm really happy that I don't have to face those New York Rangers in the playoffs. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dave Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates. Penguins beat the Rangers last night at Madison Square Garden, 5-2. to two. Washing away, kind of, for the most part, and I'll get to that in a minute, the ugly feel of the 8-4 to four loss in that same building a couple nights earlier. And that's a positive. That's a good thing. The Penguins are right back in action tonight across the Hudson River playing the Devils in Newark. That's a 7.08 p.m. face-off. The Devils, of course, will be without meaning for good, Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri. That's a big, big chunk of who the Devils are or were up front. And you would hope, from the Pittsburgh perspective, that the Penguins can capitalize on that fortuitous bit of timing because they faced the Devils a total of five times the rest of the way. The only other team that even approaches that on the Penguin schedule, are the pathetic Sabres at four times. So this is when you want to start making hay. You know, the Penguins have had a really, really tough schedule to this point in the season, and this is when you want to start reaping some of those rewards. And I'll use the term again. It's fortuitous timing because in addition to these opponents that you're facing, you're facing them while you're missing still. Evgeny Malkin, Kasperi Kapitan, and other guys. They won't be facing the Rangers, though. At least not in the playoffs. The Rangers, I mean, they're not mathematically eliminated, but it's it's going to be a rough ride for them to get in. And I'll say it again, it's a good thing. Because I don't know that there's another team in the East that has challenged the Penguins' back end the way the Rangers have. That doesn't mean the Rangers are the best or that they have the most individual talent uh, the Bruins have whenever everybody's going the best line in hockey. Uh, The Capitals have Backstrom and Ovechkin, Kuznetsov and Oshie and all those guys coming at you. But what the Rangers do specifically that puts such a stress on the Penguins and why I think it's been so valuable for the Penguins to have this thing laid out for them the way it is, is that they transition like maybe nobody 
in what normally would be the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're very, very fast. They're very energetic. And they're very much underappreciated on the back end with the way they can swing the play the other way. Jacob Truba, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, they have guys back there who can turn the play. And then when those forwards go, they really go. Did you see the move Mika Zibanejad made to get around Chris Letang to create that golden, spectacular chance for himself that he somehow ended up missing? Well, that. They're really, really good like that. And it's healthy to have those teams in your division to make you aware of things that you can't do because then you address them now. You don't address them, you know, in game three of the playoffs or in round two when you face somebody who's doing something that you hadn't seen before. After this game, uh, Chris Letang talked with reporters in New York last night about how the Penguins bounced back from the 8-4 to four loss a couple nights earlier. Yeah, I mean, I we know. We, we, we knew we had to turn the page quick uh, after that loss. It's um, like you, you watch the film, the film and, and you you can't say that we had tons of chances we could have won that game, but at the same time, you it's up for grab when, when both teams are are kind of loose defensively and and try to try to score a bunch of goals. So uh, we know going forward, uh, if we want to have success, we we need to to play a a, a good defensive game with a five man unit out there. So um, I think we tightened up the, today and and we got the result. Look, I'm not going to argue with the guy. Uh, he won the game. His team won the game. The Penguins outshot the Rangers, 32 to 24. The Penguins, of course, outscored them 5-2. to two. They pretty much out everything to them if you go up and down the stats. And good for them. Again, this is exactly what you want. But I'm not about to go overboard with it. The Rangers still had a lot of chances. And there are still things that the Penguins need to clean up in terms of big breakdowns. Uh, clean breakaways two-on-ones, when we've seen the Penguins, these Penguins, this season, at their best, it's when they're not giving up the odd man breaks. That is not easy to do in the current NHL. When this strange season started with no training camps and no exhibitions, this is something that Tristan Jari talked about actually a lot earlier in the year when he was talking about his own sluggish start. He said that the hockey was so different that you weren't used to seeing, meaning as a goaltender, this many odd man breaks, this many chances that are given up. Quality chances, really high quality chances. And it took everyone a while to adjust to kind of cut them down to not make it look like pond hockey, but it never really left. All you have to do is turn on any game that's played anywhere in the league other than maybe Long Island, where Barry Trotz is just going to keep everybody back to make sure that he's got the one team that doesn't allow that stuff. And you'll see the same pattern in place. The old school thought on the Penguins was, well, that's great. That's great. It's trading chances. Who would ever want to trade chances with Pittsburgh? 
Well, that was when the Penguins' superstars were up at another level above the rest of the league, and that's when the Penguins had a scoring line as their third line, meaning HBK and, and you know going back to 2009, the Jordan Stahl line and so forth. That doesn't exist anymore. This team is going to have to clamp down above and beyond any other priority that exists between now and the start of the playoffs. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of your cable bill is probably over 200 bucks. That's the average. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch the same channels you get DVR that you don't pay for. There's no such thing as installation. No contracts cancel anytime. Oh, and you get AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh, which means you get to watch Penguins and Pirates. Presuming that I haven't yet talked you into doing this very logical thing, Fubo TV is offering the listeners of this podcast a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just visit FuboTV.com slash DK. One more time, get 15% off your first month at FuboTV.com slash DK. This is the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for the Penguins. Finding this ability to clamp down and yet still play Mike Sullivan hockey meaning to attack the puck at all points on the rink, to have your defensemen invariably join the rush regardless of the score, to have your defensemen pinch regardless of the score. You still need to prevent the odd man breaks. That has been a tightrope for Sullivan from the day he walked into PPG Paints Arena because he has believed in the attacking component of it. And he has never wavered. Remember when Trotz was coaching the Capitals and they beat the Penguins in part because they were creating tons of odd man breaks off the Penguins' defenseman pinching? And then, of course, the Caps go on to win the Stanley Cup. Remember that? And how Trotz had just solved the Sullivan system. Well, no such thing happened. Sullivan did make... Some very minor adjustments to it, but mostly he just told the players, look, defenseman pinches, you're a forward who's nearest to that. You have to read it and you have to drop back. Plain and simple. It's not optional. It's not helping the team. It's not taking one for the team. You just have to do it. No matter who you are, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, whatever, you have to do it. You have to come back for your pinching defenseman. 100 times out of 100. But as we saw with the Zibanejad move last night, all he did was make a pretty routine cut to the middle. Maybe caught Latang a little bit off balance there. But then there goes the odd man break. This team, whether it's through personnel, whether it's through whatever move or moves that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke make in advance of Monday's trade deadline, is going to need to shore up that capability. And that's why, as it applies to the trading deadline, 
I keep referencing that third line or fourth line center. Hextall and Burke have both said they want it to be someone big or whatever. I can't imagine that's a a rational priority as much as it is just something you would put on your wish list. The bigger deal by far is getting yourself another two-way type center. Someone in the mold of Teddy Bluger who could come in and really anchor another group there that would offer Sullivan and his assistant coaches more flexibility in terms of their lineup makeup when they need to oppose a team that comes at you with two significant scoring lines, like Washington. They have to think about defense first. This is not 2016. The Penguins are not going to just outgun you. They're not going to outshoot you. They're not going to outchance you the way that team did. They're also not necessarily going to out... Oh, what's a good verb for that That 2017 team, what they did? How about outlast you? (laughs) Because all those guys did was get beat up and broken and everything else and just keep playing and playing and playing. And, of course, they had spectacular goaltending. In the first two rounds from Marc-Andre Fleury and then in the last two from Matt Murray. I like the work that Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith have done. I'm not ready to put it into that category. They're going to need to become an even better defensive team. So don't look at what happened last night in New York and say, oh, that's it, they got right back to it and they played great. They didn't. They didn't. They need to be a lot better, and they need to be a lot better even when Malkin and Kapanen and everybody else returns. When we come back, just one question. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's always brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they are committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. You can help, of course. One dollar is all it takes to provide five meals. One dollar, five meals. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org and make sure you spell that out. Spell out pittsburghfoodbank.org. Really nice, clean website that takes you through the process very easily. 
And today's question comes from Quigley, who asks, once everyone is healthy, how can Sully justify playing Janko over Zahorna or Goudreau? First off, Quigley, no to Janko. No to calling Mark Jankowski by some cutesy hockey nickname. All the dude does is score into empty nets and absolutely nothing else over the course of a hockey game. He is not worthy of your sappy, affectionate nickname usage there. So take it back. Like, I can handle Sully. I can't handle Janko. I'm going to read the question again now. How can Mike Sullivan justify playing Mark Jankowski over Radim Zahorna or Frederick Goudreau? Uh, there's only one answer to this, and it's it's not the one that I that I want to give. It's not the one that I would make if if I were head coach, and you should be grateful that I am not. And that it's penalty killing. Penalty killing is always the one variable that. In particular, I think the public doesn't consider. People inside hockey know that that's how you make your lineup. That's how you make your bottom six. You figure out who are my six available penalty-killing forwards. And then if one of them goes down, who's taking their place? Like in an emergency situation, who can I take off the top six or someone else to fill that spot? That's how it's done. They also think about face-offs. They think about what hand you take face-offs. They t think about how many centers the other team has that are lefty and righty that you might need to match up with in specialty situations. Do you follow what I'm saying here? It's not just as simple as drawing up the four lines and saying, well, here are four lines and here are our five-on-five matchups and let's just go ahead and build this. It actually works so that that comes last. So if you're wondering how Jankowski has stayed in, it's because he can take face-offs, because he can kill penalties. So when you're talking about anybody taking his place, and I will reiterate, I am all in favor of someone taking his place, it's got to be someone who either checks off the boxes that I just mentioned or who can still play for you while someone else checks off those boxes. So Goudreau is going to have an edge over Zahorna, and it's not going to be based on, wow, what a spectacular goal Zahorna scored last night at Madison Square Garden, which he did, and it was awesome. The way he cut in, uh, muscled off the defenseman and went all the way around Igor Shesterkin using every bit of that size and reach. That's That was really, really impressive. And I'm betting that not only could Freddie Goudreau not score that goal, but I'm betting there's a lot of guys in the Penguins' top six who couldn't score exactly the way Zahorna did there. It was really something. But it's not going to get him in the lineup. Not into this lineup at this time. There might be a different point in the future where you say, okay, well, we could really use a player like this in our top six. Uh, I don't know. Malkin's re you know, retired or traded or whatever else. But this lineup right now, 
he has to be able to do other things. And that's why every time I'm making up my own fictitious bottom six, and I'm presuming that the Bluger line remains intact, meaning with Zach Aston Reese and Brandon Tanev, once everybody's healthy, then you're left with six forwards for three spots. Or is it seven? Actually, it's seven. Because you're now talking about Zahorna, Jankowski, Goudreau, Colton Sevier, Sam Lafferty, Anthony Angelo. Yeah, I, I I might actually be missing somebody in this mix too. And it's it's there's some reasonable depth there. You could put together Oh, Evan Rodriguez. I knew I'm missing somebody here. I'm going like come on, come on, come on, think of it. Evan Rodriguez. And actually Rodriguez does check all those boxes and one other. And that's that he's right handed. And if you think about who the Penguin centermen are on the top three lines, those are all lefties. They don't have a right-handed shot that they can put in there except, you know, to switch guys out on the draw, and they don't like to do that because then the wingers don't know where they're supposed to go, and it's all kind of unnatural. But Rodriguez can be that guy too. This is... The kind of thing that leads me to believe that if there isn't something that's just screaming in the collective faces of Hackstall and Burke between now and 3 p.m. Monday, I really just don't know that they're going to feel burdened to force a trade. I mean, Zahorna's performance at the Garden last night alone would powerfully suggest that you don't do anything. He doesn't necessarily play huge, but he is 6'6". He can play the middle. He can dish. We've seen him set up a couple of nice goals, not just last night, but a couple of nights ago with the Brian Dumoulin in play. Kid can play. He can really play. And there's no shame in Hextall and Burke just saying, listen, hey, Jim Rutherford put together a nice hockey team here. Our work for this season, as far as trades go, uh, we're done. You know, we'll we'll support everybody as needed. We'll make all the moves with Wilkes-Barre and everything else here, but we're not about to mess with this. Our egos don't need the boost. We're just going to let it go. I, I wouldn't rule that out. It's going to be fun. Well, anyway, we're going to do another one of these on the morning of the trade deadline Monday. Thanks to everybody uh, for listening to this show and for leaving nice reviews. I've seen some of those on our podcasting platforms. Stuff really, really helps. Uh, It gets our show uh, into positions of greater visibility to a lot more potential listeners, and that really helps. Thank you for that. Thanks for everything. Point Park.
Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.